and the kids yesterday. We were, I was so proud of them. They were, uh, we were talking about it. We did the Easter egg hunt. They understood what this day was all about. And uh, in every group, no matter what the ages were, uh, at least some of them or Jesus died on the cross, rose from the third day, and there's an empty tomb, and we celebrate that. And so I was excited that they're right on target with the message. They still said, and we get candy. Um, and so that's good. But everybody needs candy from time to time. But we, you know, as we talk about celebrating the resurrection, and, and we, we were talking, even when we were talking to the kids about Easter and Christmas and, and different holidays and traditions. We, even though if you know the Easter bunny is not why we celebrate Easter and you know that the eggs and th- those kind of things are, are just extra, we still have a habit of compartmentalizing this day as a day in religion. It's just a, a day this, that this day has more importance than other days. That this day is above other days. But, but really, when Jesus came, he didn't anticipate us having or he didn't desire for us to have days that we set aside where we worship him more than we would other days. He didn't, decide, he didn't want us to uh, look at particular days and say, oh, this, this has particular meaning. And then give us a list of things to say, and, and this is what you do on this day. You do this, 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 and this, and this is what makes me happy. That's the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant, they have very specific regulations, very specific ways in which they would worship God. And God said, these are the things I want you to do. But Jesus told the woman at the well, he says, you know, there's coming a day when we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And where we, we actually are just trying to have a relationship with Jesus where we're trying to get to know who Jesus is. And really, today, we want to talk about how this reminds us that what Jesus came to do is to give us a new start, a, a new beginning, a, to begin again. That no matter what happens in life, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you've done wrong, no matter how you've gone astray, no matter what bad decisions you made, there comes, if there ever comes a point where you desire to have a new life, that God is, specializes in giving new life. This is what he does. He, he says to you, would you rather have a different life than the one you have? And when you come to the place where you say, yes, that's what I want, then you will. For everybody else, if you like the life that you have and... and and Easter just becomes just a, a holiday or whatever. Uh, sometimes we miss this incredible opportunity. I was watching a um, really powerful movie about uh, Paul and the apostle of Jesus Christ put out by Firm Pictures. And in this, they had a scene where Paul was talking to one of the Romans. And this is a, kind of not a real spoiler alert here, but it is a scene in the movie. Uh, and so please forgive me. But he... He's talking about how the difference between Christianity and, and the world. He said when he was on ships and they'd be out at sea, he said, if you dipped your hand down into the sea and you pulled it up with a handful of water and you watched the water run through your fingertips, eventually your hand would become completely dry. And he said, that's what this life is. That's what this life consists of. It's just simply a handful of water that, uh, that slips through your fingers, all the things that are contained in it. 
everything, all our dreams, all our aspirations, all our career moves, everything we live every day for, just that's all it is. And that's what the world pursues. That's what the world is after. When you watch commercials on TV, when you watch uh, advertisements for different particular material things and so forth, when you see people pursuing different careers, all the people who are going to school and, and getting education, getting degrees, it's all for things that are in that handful of water. And he said, but what makes believers in Christ different is that we desire the sea, the entire sea, not just a hand. We're willing to give up that handful of water in order to attain the entire sea. And sometimes, sometimes the blessings of this life, sometimes the good things in this life hinder us or keep us from seeing that this is not the life we want. That it's the next life that we want. That's the next life that we live for. That this is one worth giving away in order to receive a new one that we can't see. A new one that we're not quite, not, not yet in. That Jesus himself only had 33 years upon this world. And, and he gladly gave up the remainder of this earthly life to be sacrificed upon a cross because he was... He knew eternity waited on the other side. John the Baptist had a life of about 30 years and gladly gave it up, put his, his, gave his head up on a platter, had a, a ministry that only lasted about six months and gave it up. Why? Because he knew there was eternity on the other side. All of Jesus' disciples gladly gave their lives up, were willing to be sacrificed, martyred for Jesus and following Christ. Why? Because they knew this life was not what they were living for. It is a new life that we seek. And Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, I love the writings of Paul because Paul is one who comes to Christ as we come to Christ. He wasn't there amongst the disciples and walking with Jesus and so forth and living with Jesus and, and so forth. He, he simply, he met Jesus on the Damascus road, but all he had were the words of the apostles, the teachings of the apostles, just like we have. And then began to learn and understand and to know Jesus just as we would come to learn and understand and know Jesus. And that is through the Holy Spirit and praying, studying his word. And... As he would travel from church to church, he would give them wisdom and pass along and say, hey, this is, this is what life is really all about. And, and it helps to understand that, that life is more than just a series of achievements or attaining money or, or those type of things. That, uh, and and in the, his letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, this is a church that Paul loved. Just a great group of people that he just shares his heart with and talks about how there's nothing greater than knowing Jesus. Not knowing religious holidays, not knowing what churches' services are supposed to be all about, not knowing all the particulars of politics within Christianity, but knowing Jesus himself. And he says these words in chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth 
so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Pray with me. Father, I just pray this morning that all of us in this room know who you are. And we know you through your son, Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here today, Father, who does not know you, who does not know Jesus, Lord, they may know his name, they may know about him, but they do not have a relationship with him. Father, I pray today will be the day that they seek that out, that they desire that, that they realize it is worth wanting. And Father, put that, put that hunger inside of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the 1950s, there was a missionary named Jim Elliott, and he and four companions uh, got on a plane and went down to South America and a little yellow airplane called 56 Henry, and one of them was a pilot, and they had been studying in school how to do mission work and had prepared and trained to, uh, to reach this group of cannibals in uh, South American jungles. And they would fly overhead, and they threw down this little plane, this little yellow plane, to kind of show uh, what the particulars of the plane were so they could look at it and be familiar with it. So when they landed in this little sandbar, that the natives would be familiar with it. And when they did land, they had a really good reception. A group of kids came out and met with them and so forth. And they didn't know, how, of course, how to communicate with them and so forth. But they considered it a great first thing, and they took some pictures. They came back again, though. And unbeknownst to them, they didn't realize that these kids weren't supposed to be there. So they went back and lied to the tribe and said these men were evil and trying to hurt them. So the men of the village came out and killed them all. Well, they went back through uh, Jim Elliott's writings and in his journals. And Jim Elliott had said that he felt like he was going to die early. He felt like his life wouldn't be very long. And he said, why, would, why should we believe that heaven is only reserved for old people? Why, why do we not understand that God takes us at any age, that there's no age that is, uh, that is one that is immune from being sacrificed for the glory of God? And so he was prepared to give his life, and he made this statement. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In order for us to really gain this new life, in order for us to understand and appreciate the new life that Christ gives to us, this is something we need to personalize. We need to give what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. As I said, that life that you and I have, all the things that we're aspiring to, all the things that we're trying to accomplish, it, it, it's just such a small amount of time, such a small, it's just a vapor it seems like a lot to us. You, know, you think of, uh, if you could live to be, you know, I talked to the kids and said, well, how, what's the longest any of you want to live? And even kids, even three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, when you say, what's the longest you would ever want to live? They said 120 years, 120 years. That's a, actually a biblical number, but uh, they picked that out. And I told them, I was kind of using a water illustration. I said, I said, look at one of the strands of the carpet fiber. And they all got down and we all looked at one fiber in this carpet. And I said, let's imagine that one fiber of carpet is 120 years, that one fiber of this. I said, would you be willing to give up one fiber of the carpet if I said you could have all the other fibers in the entire room and every one of them represented 120 years of life? Well, of course, 
everybody's, yeah, of course, yes, that's a much better deal. Of course I would take millions of 120 years in exchange for one set of 120 years. And the odds are most of us in this room are not going to see 120 years, yet we are giving everything, giving everything, trying to hang on to this 120 years. And this is what we know. Everything you gain in this one, this whatever your lifespan is, this life, everything you earn in this life, you will lose it, including the life itself. It's all going to be gone. Every part of it, everything you achieve, every degree you get, every penny that you earn, every business that you build, every building you build, every home you acquire, every house you, you buy, every, every, uh, every property that you own, every car that you get, all those things, you're going you're to lose all of it. Lose all of it for all eternity. And Jesus comes along and basically he's saying, I, it, would you be willing to give up what you have in your checking account? If I promised you to fill your checking account for all eternity, endlessly, unlimited, just put as many resources as you need in that forever. Would you be willing to give up what you have right now? Well, here's the problem with that. I don't get it right now. I don't get it right now. I'm having to believe that it's going to be there for me when I go. And that, it always comes down to this thing called faith, this thing called faith. Well, this is what Paul said in verse 7. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. He says, when I, when I met Jesus, when I, when I started to get to know Jesus, I realized that everything I thought was something that was good, my degrees, and Paul was a man of degrees and, and his position of power. And he was a powerful man. All his learning, all his money, his Roman citizenship. He was, Paul was a prestigious man. He says, all those things, though, that I thought were gain, when I met Christ, they were all just loss. And he says, I, I have considered me lost because of Christ. More than that, he says, I also consider everything to be a loss. I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, just knowing Jesus, just knowing Jesus is of surpassing value. And he says, um, so that I may, or he says, because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. So, Paul is saying, all the stuff that I have gotten, I consider it junk, trash, filth, dung, whatever you want to put there in comparison to what? In comparison to knowing Jesus. I was uh, in the line of Chick-fil-A uh, yesterday, and a girl had just got a new phone, and she was so excited about this new phone. I mean, she was, she was coddling it in her hands like it was a baby. And she was, I don't know who she is, and she's like, I'm so excited about my new phone. I mean, she's just talking to us. It's just, I'm so excited about my new phone. She says, the Galaxy, that's something. I don't know what it is. I'm an iPhone person, so I had no idea what she was talking about. But, um, but she says something brand new, brand new, state-of-the-art, best one they've ever had. And she said, I, I love this phone. It is so amazing. She goes, I haven't got the protector screen for it, so I'm being very careful with it because I don't want to drop it. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm just, I'm being, I want it, I treasure this so much. And she just went on and on and on and on about it, about how amazing this phone was. Needless to say, she loved the phone. She thought it was an amazing thing. And here's the thing. The things we want in life, 
we love. The things we want in life, we love. When we, when we love money, uh, when we want money, we love money. When we, want, when we want a house, we love houses. And those are the things we get excited about. If we want a beautiful person to be in a relationship with, then we love that beautiful person. When we finally find them and they like us back, we're like, I love this person. And we're so excited about that. When we want a car, we find a car that's that special car. We find it. We love that car and we talk about it and we share about it. So here's the question. First question we have to ask ourselves when we want new life. What do you want in life? What do you want in life? Because if you want Jesus, then you love Jesus and, you, and, and you're excited. I was actually convicted because I thought, I was sitting there thinking, she loves this phone and is talking about this phone. And I could not muster the excitement about anything that she had for that phone. But there have been times when I have. There have been moments when I did have that amount of excitement. When I did have that thrill. And those were times when I, those were times when I loved Jesus. When I wanted Jesus. I am. I remember a time in my life when I was so excited about getting to know Jesus or Jesus had made himself real to me in such a way that I couldn't help myself but talk about him. Now think about this for a second. How many, do you think that girl went to the phone store and they said, all right, here's your phone, but no, you have to be excited about this phone. You need to tell people about this phone. And she went to classes to, to learn how to tell people about how much she loved her phone. And, and, and they said, we're, we really, we want you to, here's, here's the merits of this phone, and here's why you should appreciate it. And we want to, and we, and, you know, we want you to worship this phone, and, and this is why you should worship this phone. And, and she was like, I really don't want to worship it. I don't really love it that much, but I got to do it, so I'm going to try to do it. And it was all spontaneous. She just wanted to share it because she wanted that phone, and then she loved that phone. And what we want in life what we want in life, those are the things, that's where we put our love. That's where we put our attention. Those are the things we're trying to hang on to. Those are the things we're looking for. And that's not a, a judgment. I'm not trying to say I judge you for the things you want. I want the wrong things just as much as anybody else wants the wrong things. I'm just saying it should tell us something about our love for Jesus or about how much we want Jesus, about how much we want new life, about how much we want eternal life, by how much we talk about it, by how much we share about it. I want to know Christ in such a way where people don't have to teach me how to show that I love him. Where people don't have to tell me to tell other people about him, but that I want him so much that I just simply share who he is and what he's about. So we give up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. There's a, a phrase that says, uh, that's used a lot called my way or the highway. My way or the highway. This is a, there's also a phrase called when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh, but I thought that would not, might not work. Um, so my way or the highway means that if I don't get what I want, this is what I want in life. And if I don't get it, your life's going to be difficult. 
and I'm going to punish you. And here's what happens. We want other things besides Jesus in life or so forth. We get upset with people who get in our way or who hinder us or keep us from getting the thing that we want. And how we know that Jesus isn't the thing we want or the new life or eternal life is not what we're after. How we know is how upset we get when we don't get our way. I, I, this is my way and I want it. And if I don't get it, I'm very upset about it. Well, that, what that says is, is that's, that's what I want more than anything else. I, I'm not eternally minded focused. I'm not, not thinking about life after this. I'm, I'm thinking about that water in my hand. I want what consists in this life. I want these things. In family counseling, a lot of times I'll, I'll show that, that that's the symptom of idolatry. And what that means is you have something in your life that you worship so much that you will, if you don't get what you demand, you punish other people who keep you from getting it. And we just, we think, I, I want to be here at this time. And if we're not there at that time, I'm going to make everybody miserable who keeps me from being there. Or I want that outfit. And if I can't get that outfit, I'm going to make everybody miserable who keeps me from getting it. Or I want, I want that job. And if I don't get that job, I'm going to make everybody miserable if I don't get that job. Whatever it is, whatever it is we want in this life, we want our way. Paul says in verse 9, he says, not only, so I want to gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. He's saying, I, I don't want my way and the law. I don't want, but I want one that I find through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And here's, here's what this means. It means I, I know what I want. If I say this is what I want in life and this is how I'm going to get it, the question is, is will that get me what I really want? We all have a plan then to get there. We have a, what we're trying to do. And if I say what I want more than anything is this new life, but I'm living for money, then obviously I'm not going to get the new life. If I say what I want is this new life, this eternal life, but I'm living to get more houses or lands or whatever, or achievements or merits. If I'm doing those things, then I'm not doing what's necessary to get this new life. Bill Hybels once said there was, he was talking to a guy on a plane and, and he was trying to show him how far we are removed from God. And he said, if you put God here and put zero over here, he said, where do you see yourself on the spectrum of getting to God where God is being worthy of eternal life? And the man said, well, I'd see myself right about here, right close to where God is. And Bill Hybels said, well, Mother Teresa, when she was asked that question, said she sees herself over here almost to zero. And Billy Graham, when he was asked that question, says, well, I'm nothing in comparison to Mother Teresa, so I'm even further over here. And he said, well, and he says, I'm a pastor of one of the largest churches in America. And he says, I'm nothing compared to Billy Graham, so I'm even further closer to zero. He said, but here's the problem. Nobody gets into heaven unless they are as good as God. Unless they are as holy as God is. Meaning no matter what you do, no matter how many degrees you get, no matter how many church services you attend, no matter how many Sunday school classes you go to, no matter how many Easter services you attend, none of it will ever be good enough to get you into heaven. You can't get into heaven that way. The only way you will ever get into heaven, the only way you will ever see eternity, the only way you will ever get this new life is if Jesus, is if you are as righteous as Jesus 
And the good news is what Jesus promises is he says, if you'll put your faith in me, I will give you my righteousness. You'll never get to be as righteous as me. And he knows that. He sees your situations where he says, I'm just going to give it to you. So in a way of speaking, it's not my way or the highway. It's, it's if my way is the way with a capital W, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So if he is the way we're talking about, then we will get eternal life. But there is no other way. So let me ask you this question. If you know what you want in life, let me ask you, is your way good enough? If what you want in life is eternal life, then is your way good enough to get it? Is your way good enough to get it? And the only way that's good enough to get it is not your way, but the way, which is Jesus. And is that the way you have chosen? Is that what your life is about? Is your life about following Jesus? And then finally, we have to get there by any means necessary. By any means necessary. I am... found that there's a rapper who has the name Pastor Troy as well. I'm not suggesting that you listen to Pastor Troy. I have not listened to Pastor The parental advisory kind of steered me from actually listening to the songs, and actually the titles of the songs on this particular album were enough. I, funny, funny thing is that when I first started in radio uh, years ago, I was at a country station, and they called me Cowboy Troy, and there's actually a, another country singer called Cowboy Troy, and um, I don't look like him either, but the... Um, uh, but then, so now, I'm, now I've got a rapper named Pastor Troy. So, um, wow. So don't Google me. Uh, bad things could happen. Uh, but he has this album called By Any Means Necessary. And that's taken from a slogan of Malcolm X. Malcolm X had the idea that we should attain freedom by any means necessary. It was a radical idea of just we will do whatever is necessary. We will... Uh, Kill whatever is whatever by any means necessary to get what we want. And we realize what we want in life. We, we all have a thought process of what we are willing to do to get it. If we're really honest with ourselves and say, what do we want in life? And it comes up money or whatever. We say, oh, I'm willing to do this to get money. Or I'm willing to do this to get the right job. Or I'm willing to do this, but I'm not willing to kill anybody. I'm not willing to steal. Or I'm not willing to cheat. And, and some of us may have been willing to do those things. But whatever the case, we have lines that we've drawn that says, I'm, not, I'm only willing to do this much to get this. When we're talking, when we decide that we want eternal life, when we decide we want eternal life, and that Jesus is the way to get there, we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to do what is necessary in order to get eternal life? What are the lines I've drawn say, I won't do this. I'll never walk up front of the church or I'll never be baptized or I'll never, even those things don't get us salvation. We get in our head, I'm not going to do these things because I'm only willing to do so much to get what I'm after. Look at what Paul says. He says in verse 10, he says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So Paul is saying, my goal is to know Christ, to have his righteousness. And he says, 
assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So Paul is saying, I want this eternal life. I want to be resurrected from the dead. I, when I die, I want my body to be raised up and glorified so that I can live forever. This is what Paul wanted. And he says, to do that, I am willing to know the fellowship of his suffering. I am willing to suffer as Jesus suffered. I am willing to be even conformed to his death. And he was. Paul martyred for Jesus. The disciples martyred for Jesus. They were conformed to his death. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to do to have it all? What are you willing to do to have it all in order to have eternal life, in order to live forever, in order to have, and have the promise that you will be resurrected from the dead when you die? If you, if you could think ahead and say, I'm willing to give this up to have this, what are you willing to give up? When I was 18, I, I was trying to become a U.S. senator. I was ambitious at an early age. And I even worked for a U.S. senator and, and, and walked alongside him and asked him, said, what do I need to do in order to be you someday? And, and so he told me, these are the steps you need to do. In fact, two different senators I had conversations with. And, uh, and so we were going to move to Washington and, and do all these different things. Just me. I was single at the time. But I also wanted this girl and I wanted this life and I wanted this money and I wanted all these different things. And I was making a lot of bad decisions. I was discovering I was willing to compromise a lot of my own values in order to get the things that I wanted. I was willing to do whatever was necessary in order to get there. And I just felt that's the way politics was. You had to be willing to sell your soul to the devil in order to get there. But, I, but it, to me, it was the end justified the means. So I was going to get there. But there came a bottoming out point. Because every Sunday I would go to church. I grew up in a little church in Dundee, Kentucky and go to church. And, and the things I was studying at church and the things we see in the word were conflicting with the life that I was living. And I can remember thinking I've gotten to a point where the two can never be reconciled. And I, I just can't go on. I, I convinced myself I'd be better. It would be better off if I was dead and people thought that I was a wonderful person than to continue down this route because I thought I'm not going to be able to keep myself from doing something that's going to destroy my reputation, that's going to, that people are going to find out about it and so forth. So I'm just going to end it, and that way I die a good person. And I, and I, and I thought that was important. I want to die a good person. So I plotted out my death. I was like, this I'm going to kill myself. And, and uh, I, was going to, I was notorious for driving fast, and so the people would believe if I had an accident, they would believe that. So I planned out this Car accident, fake car accident. I remember going to the car. I remember throwing up, just getting so sick as I got to the car. And as I just leaned over, staring my own vomit there on the parking lot, I heard a voice. I'm not a person who hears voices. I'm not a person who says, I don't know if God talks to us audibly or whatever. All I know is there was an audible voice, or at least it was audible to me. And it said this, if you don't want your life, Give it to me. And I remember it was enough where I turned around to look and see who was talking to me. And then just believed it to be God. It was really a holy moment. It was a moment where I thought God's saying something. But I didn't respond as you might think. I was not happy about that. I was actually angry. 
And I said, you don't want my life. You don't want this life. You don't want what I'm going to give you. It's all messed up. And then I said, you know what, though? Take it. I thought, what's the point? If I end my life, why don't I just just give it to you? And you and because I really believed I I said, I said, I'm going to live my life in such a way where I'm just going to read the Bible and whatever the Bible says, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. You know, like I was daring God. I'll do it. I'll do whatever the Bible says. And you'll see people will hate me. I will have no friends. I will never get married. I will, I will not have uh, people ridicule me. They'll throw rocks at me or whatever. I thought nobody could possibly be popular or fun or enjoy life and do what the Bible has to say. And so I said, this, this is what I'm going to do. And little did I know at the time was that was exactly what Scripture asked us to do. See, it was, I was an Easter person too. I, I just did things like this. I thought there were certain rules we follow. We follow those rules and then God is pleased. I didn't realize he was literally wanting me to lay my life down and to trust him as my Lord and Savior. And that day I began reading the Bible, looking for what he was telling me to do, not just trying to memorize verses and words, because they were pithy words and statements and quotes to have, like you would quote fortune cookies. But like literally God was talking to me, what is this telling me to do? And I would do what it said. And what shocked me was they didn't throw rocks at me. I thought I was going to die before I was 30 because nobody could live very long if they actually did what the Bible said. But I didn't die. I did find a wife. A godly wife who also had the same conviction to just simply read the Bible and do what it says. And so now we were doing it together, helping each other to do it together. Had four children. And the way we raised our children, we look at the Bible and see what the Bible said about raising our children. We just simply raised them the way God told us to raise them. I'm here today talking to you because my life is not my own. This is not the path I chose for myself. I gave the life I had in my mind at 18 years old. I gave it up and laid it down and said, God, I'll live the life you have for me. And it has been the greatest decision I've ever made. And so I just simply extend to you, just reach out to you and say, this, if you, if you want to live forever, if you want to have a real life, if you... If you're looking to give up the life that you have, you don't like the life you have. Let me ask you these questions. Do you believe Jesus is God? And he died for your sins and he rose from the dead. That's all it takes. It just takes you believing he is real. He is who he says he is. That he that he if he's God, then he absolutely has the power, no matter how bad your life is or how far gone it is. He can give you a new one. You can begin again. Now, if you have a life that you really like and you don't want to give it up, obviously, people, Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And what he was saying is, is rich people, affluent people, or people who like their lives or love their lives don't want to give up the life that they have. The best thing that could ever happen to you is that you hate the life that you have in order to get the one that Jesus has for you. Because the one Jesus has for you lasts forever. And so... If you're happy with the life you have, then we're not talking to you today. We're talking to the person who's there who needs a new life, who looking for, who's looking for a new life. And here's the thing. If you will just simply trust him as your Lord and Savior, this is what he promises. I will give you a new life. It'll be better than the one you had, and it will last forever.
And all you have to do is just take it. All you have to do is come today and say, I want that new life. And we'll tell you how you can have it. And then you have it in faith, believing that he is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he will do. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love and for your grace. And Father, I just pray today. Father, I just pray for everybody in this room, Lord. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter what they brought into this room with them. The only question that matters right now is, do they desire a new life? And Lord, if they do desire a new life, Lord, you can give it to them. You proved it when you died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. And then you were buried in a tomb and you were raised from the dead. Lord, no one's ever done that. No one's ever been raised from the dead and continued to live forever. Lord, you, your eternal life, your eternal living, your seating at the right hand of the Father, Father, proves that you have the power to give us new life. So, Father, may we just simply ask for that and receive the new life that only you can give. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.